0: Since it was first published in 1991 that grapefruit juice can augment oral drug bioavailability, many studies have been done looking at the impact and interaction of food and drugs. What do the most recent studies tell us specifically about grapefruit and other juices and their interaction with medications? We're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is Dr. David Bailey. Dr. Bailey is a professor in the Department of Physiology, Pharmacology, and Medicine at the University of Western Ontario in Canada. His research focuses on mechanistic and translational clinical pharmacological investigations related to drug interactions. His notable publication of Grapefruit Drug Interactions has been cited more than 300 times. Dr. Bailey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Dr. Kaskel. It's a pleasure.
0: Well, I guess the first question I have is what led you to even look... Or think about grapefruit juice back in 1991.
1: Basically, I was interested in drug interactions, and I wanted to look at an interaction with an antihypertensive drug called philodipine or Plendil. But I wanted to see if it would be an effect of alcohol. And in order to do a study properly and blind it, we wanted the masked taste of of the alcohol. And all the literature said they put their alcohol in orange juice. And when I put the alcohol in the orange juice
0: tasted like yeah, a uh, it tasted you know, like a screwdriver
1: it tasted like a screwdriver. I could taste the alcohol, and I said, "There's no fooling my subjects by putting it in an orange juice." So I took home some pure alcohol from the lab, and one Saturday evening, my wife and I went through every <laughs> juice we could find in the refrigerator. And see whether it would work. And we tried everything. Actually, we had quite a bit of of different, of different fruits, fruit juices. There, we had.
0: She never woke up the next morning, did yeah, she? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, anyways, we we hit on uh, the last thing I can remember. My wife Barbara saying, "You know, there's a can of grapefruit juice in the refrigerator. Why don't we try that?" And lo and behold, it worked. It masked the taste. And I said, "Okay, then we'll do our study. One day, the individuals will get the plindel or philodipine with a glass of grapefruit juice, and the next." they'll get it with the grapefruit juice and the alcohol. To make a long story short, the interaction did occur. They had lower blood pressures and higher heart rates and and more problems when they had it with the alcohol. But what was so surprising was that the dose that we gave produced basically blood levels that were four times higher than we were predicted. And it happened in both groups.
0: And that was four times higher of the alcohol or of the plendil?
1: Of the plendil. Okay. Four time level yeah, of, of the drug. Yeah. So we sort of thought to ourselves, this is a little strange. Maybe it's just due to our subjects, but we should try and figure out why. So we did the logical, scientific thing and sort of worked back, eliminating the most likely things. Like, for example, pharmacy gave us the wrong dose. Mm -hmm. No, that wasn't the problem. Something wrong with our drug assay. Nope, nothing there. So we worked our way down. And finally, I said, well, you know, the difference between our study and everything else that's reported in the literature was the fact that they always gave their uh, flotapine with water. So I said, why don't we uh, check that out? And so I volunteered and I went into the clinic one day and I took my philodipine with a glass of water and the levels were in the region I would have expected. And then the next time I went in, I took it with a well, a pretty good shot of grapefruit juice. I think I had about 700 mils because I didn't want to miss an effect if mm-hmm. it was there. And my levels were uh, seven times higher. Wow. That's basically led us uh, to doing the formal study that was published in the Lancet in 91. So it was a serendipitous observation that uh, we followed up on.
0: That's how most science, uh, that's how most breakthroughs are made.
1: Yeah, it just shows you the importance of unexpected findings in research and, and how they can be more interesting than the original hypothesis. And I always use that as a good example for up and coming, you know, young scientists that don't throw those unexpected findings away.
0: Well, what did you do next with uh, with those results? How did you figure out what the grapefruit juice was actually doing or inhibiting?
1: First, it required an understanding of the drug itself. And we knew that this drug basically, uh, even though it was well-absorbed, the documentation on this was very good. The, the drug was well-absorbed. Essentially, all of the drug was absorbed. We knew that. But only about 15% of it makes it into the bloodstream because of what we call first-pass metabolism. Right. What we then did was we analyzed for the metabolites and and demonstrated that, in actual fact, what we were showing was an inhibition of metabolism during first pass. And that was really the first example of a a food-producing inhibition of drug metabolism in humans. And believe me, we had a lot of trouble convincing people that grapefruit juice could do it. In the beginning, nobody believed us.
0: So how long did it take you to convince people that there was a significant interaction?
1: It's pretty standard text now. Um, it's in nearly every medical book, so it's, it's obviously been established. But in the beginning, uh, we had difficulty getting it published. And, and uh, I remember submitting it to a major North American medical journal and thinking it was very interesting but not convinced that it was actually true. And so we had constant dialogue for about six months as to what they were going to do with it. And I remember they basically they couldn't make up their mind, and finally we retracted it and submitted it to the Lancet. I remember phoning one day after two weeks after I'd submitted it, mailed it to England. This was 91. And I got a hold of somebody just to see if they had received it, just to make long story short, and actually they'd already accepted it. So some people got it, some people didn't.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. My guest today is Dr. David Bailey, a professor in physiology, pharmacology, and medicine at the University of Western Ontario in Canada, We're talking about the effects of grapefruit juice on drug metabolism. Dr. Bailey, what pathway is really getting blocked? Is it the P450 or is it another one?
1: No, it's the P450. It's a specific enzyme that belongs to the cytochrome P450s. That is what is known as CYP3A4, which is one of the most important drug metabolism in humans because it metabolizes uh, about 50% of all the drugs or is involved in the metabolism about 50% of all drugs that are out there.
0: Well, I like a nice piece of grapefruit occasionally. So uh, how much is too much?
1: Well, actually, a normal amount is not fine. As little as 200 mils of just standard grapefruit juice will do it.
0: Let's say you have half a grapefruit. How much are you getting in that?
1: Uh, half a grapefruit will give you a little less than about 100, 100, 100. 50 mils.
0: Okay. So if I want to have my grapefruit every day and take my Plendil, I, I shouldn't drop dead?
1: I would certainly hope you would not drop dead, but uh, I think you'll get a good interaction there.
0: And what other medicines, I'm going to imagine there's hundreds of them, but what are the kind of the top ones that we prescribe these days that we really should be counseling our patients on to uh, to avoid grapefruit juice?
1: The key ones are those that have serious adverse reactions. And the worst one is, of course, torsade de pointe. Mm-hmm. This can occur perhaps with amiodarone, which is in the top 200 selling drugs, as well as uh, halofantrine, which is an antimalarial drug, I believe.
0: What about just uh, like biaxin, uh, an antibiotic?
1: With biaxin, it's not particularly a problem, no.
0: And how about with any of the statins?
1: Yeah, the statins are the next ones because rhabdo has been demonstrated. Rhabdomeliasis has been demonstrated with uh, taking grapefruit juice. I mean, people are amazed when you actually say, Taking one tablet of Zocor with a glass of grapefruit juice is like taking ten to fifteen tablets with a glass of water. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is a while. Wow. That is a while wow and a half. That's
0: a, yeah. a lot of Zocor.
1: That's a yeah. lot of Zocor.
0: Are there labels now on the bottles of statins?
1: There are more than 40 drugs that have been demonstrated right now to interact. And it's not only those that have the serious adverse effects. but you have to remember drugs that make you feel lousy, like a number of the, like, for example, flotapine was the drug we used in our, still using in our trial, relatively safe drug. But uh, overdoses, you know, are, make you feel kind of lousy. You can get headache, ankle edema, flushing, and so on. It's pretty hard to convince patients that uh, they should stay on their medication. So loss of benefit of drug because they basically feel Mm -hmm. lousy is at the other end of the spectrum, too.
0: Dr. Bailey, in the 17 years, I guess, since you've been looking at this, I would imagine you've tried some other juices. And I'm wondering which ones have similarities to grapefruit juice.
1: Right. And the natural question is once you've established the original phenomenon that a food like grapefruit juice will do it. The question is, is it the only one out there? I don't think so. And the answer is probably not. So the next question is, well, if there are other foods and juices out there that do it, then what's the active ingredient? Because that's the natural flow you first have to figure out what the active ingredient is in grapefruit juice before you can proceed to do further clinical studies in humans.
0: So have you done that?
1: I've certainly tried to look at it, but I don't take credit for actually discovering who was discoverer. actually was uh, the first person who suggested it in the literature was David Edwards. He's another Canadian, but he's at uh, Wayne State University, and he basically said he thought it was uh, a furanocoumarin. He has been right. So subsequent to that, it's, then it was a matter of searching out other juices that contained these specific furanocoumarins. And the first one was Seville orange juice. Now, Seville orange juice is otherwise known as bitter orange juice, and you you, you wouldn't drink it or, ordinarily.
0: Unless you live in Spain.
1: Uh, yeah, unless you live in Spain. But uh, it's commonly used in marmalades, and um, I think their interaction has been demonstrated. We certainly have shown that, uh, along with a colleague, Paul Watkins, who was at University of Michigan, uh, that Seville orange juice will do it, just like uh, grapefruit juice does. There are reports of marmalade-causing drug interactions. We ourselves showed that lime juice contains the same, uh, at least one of them, and it will produce the same kind of drug interaction. If
0: someone has high blood pressure and and loves Tom Collins, are they at danger?
1: Yeah, they're at risk because as little as, say, two ounces of lime juice uh, can produce a relevant drug interaction in certain individuals.
0: And what about the new fad, which is pomegranate juice?
1: That, that was interesting, too. Pomegranate juice was suggested as a, based on in vitro data, but uh, subsequent clinical studies showed there was nothing to it. But they have shown that things like pomelo juice will do it, and it contains the same furanacumarins. So there's a, there is a real uniformity here.
0: Well, when I hear the word furanocoumarin, I think of blood thinner. Is there,
1: oh, yeah, okay.
0: I mean, is there any connection between that family?
1: Uh, things like warfarin and coumadin do not produce uh, the effects like warfarin, the furanocoumarins do, no.
0: You know, I'm thinking just philosophically, which one should we really be avoiding? Should we be avoiding a natural, delicious fruit, or should we be avoiding a unnatural, chemically-derived drug?
1: Well, that's a very good question, is... Uh, I mean, I have nothing against grapefruit juice. I mean, grapefruit juice is a healthy food.
0: Well, last question, Dr. Bailey. What are you and your wife going to do next on a Saturday night? What new foods are you looking at?
1: Well, we're still continuing to extend the research here with regards to other juices, but what we found now is that a grapefruit juice not only produces an effect on drugs by inhibiting their metabolism, mainly in the gastrointestinal tract. Grapefruit juice actually acts by uh, multifactorial processes, because now more and more we're beginning to realize that drugs get into the systemic circulation because they are actively taken up by transporters in the gut. And lo and behold grapefruit juice inhibits certain of these uptake transporters in the gut, and we've been able to show recently, our most recent work has been able to demonstrate that there is another specific chemical that actually is not a furanocoumarin, it's a flavonoid, and, and it's a substance called naringin. is actually a very potent inhibitor of, of a specific uptake transporter called OATP1A2. And it appears to occur not only with grapefruit juice, it appears to occur also with orange juice, which does not have naringin but has other flavonoids, and lo and behold, apple juice. So more and more we're beginning to appreciate the influence that uh, naturally occurring foods uh, can modulate uh, the absorption of drug into the systemic circulation and ultimately affect the clinical activity of the drug.
0: Well, Dr. David Bailey, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you for uh, inviting me. It's always a pleasure to talk to individuals who are interested.
0: I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments or questions, please send your email to us at XM at ReachMD. I would love to know what you want to hear and uh, what you don't want to hear. Thanks for listening.